Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In either case, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I'm delighted to have Daniel Elliott as our guest. Daniel is a junior at Rollins, and he's studying public policy and political economy, political science, and communications. He is the current president of the Rollins Student Government Association. Daniel has also done a lot of work in public policy and political campaigns, including working on local, state, and national levels. Daniel, great to have you with us, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. So give us the give us the beginning, Daniel. Where'd you where'd you grow up? Where'd you come from? Sort of right before Rollins. What what what's the Daniel Elliott story before coming to Rollins? I went to uh, Cheney Elementary in the old Cheney area. So I grew up around here. Uh, we moved right before the recession to Deltona. So it's forty five minutes up the up the I four yep. interstate. Um, I grew up in that area. Went to Deland High School. Uh, I was in the IB program, and so I. Uh, was exposed to Rollins. My mom took me on the tour here, uh, junior year, and had a great tour. I fell in love with the campus. I didn't know if it was the right place for me, though, based on that tour. And I applied to a few places for college, and my mom kept saying, are you applying to Rollins? I haven't seen your application yet. And I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> um, she forced me to, to apply yeah, um, and, and pay for my fee and everything. And going in, I had an exit plan as a freshman. And I, and I before even my first day, I had a plan to transfer to like UF. Um, and after a few months, I fell in love with the school. Interesting. And I fell in love with the people here. Yeah. Mother knows best. Just, just a exactly. little FYI. <laughs> and she, she's a UCF grad, by the way. Fantastic. Um, so what was it? What was the what was your first year experience that made you decide that this indeed is the right place for you? I felt like Rollins was a a family more than a school mm. and a community, really. Yeah. Because um, you know your professors. I mean, this it feels like as a Rollins student, we take this for granted all the time. But um, and I tell people this is why I'm here: is you know your professors and they know you. They're mentors. And um, I can't even imagine being in a giant conference or, uh, you know, like concert hall with 300 other people. Yeah. It's just not, that's just not compatible with the way of life here. You'll appreciate this. I think you knew I happened to be the president of student government my senior year mm -hmm. uh, when I was a student here. And I just got a letter, a copy of a letter that I sent to doctors Joan and Don Davison when they had their <laughs> first child. And for whatever reason, oh, wow. I felt like on behalf of the student government, it was my responsibility <laughs> to say congratulations and, and, you know, good luck and, you know, thanks for all you do for, for Rollins and, and your students. She saved it. She's retiring this year. And she just sent me the, the letter. I mean, I don't know if you know what a letter is. Yeah. Uh, it's not an email. Um, I'm teasing you. Um, and it was just kind of funny that uh, she still had it. And she's like, this is what makes Rollins special. And there sort of is that family thing that, mm -hmm. that I drank the Kool-Aid as a student, and uh, you, you clearly did too, and it's, it's good Kool-Aid. The Davisons are, are the best. Indeed. 
Indeed. So describe it a little bit. You, you've touched on the faculty relationships. How, what's the learning environment like in the classrooms for you here at Rollins? Every day, um, you know, you're expected to do work outside the classroom, but you come in and you provide your perspective and your own uh, thoughts and analysis on whatever topics we're going through. And so you're not just being talked at by a professor. Um, you're actively collaborating with your other peers to contribute to a discussion and help build collective knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really important. Uh, and we did, that's something that we kind of did in high school with some of my classes. Yeah. And I came here with the intention of, uh, or with the, with the hope and belief that that would continue rather than just professor talks for 40 minutes and you write notes right. and take a test. Do you, do you find um, for all particularly since you're in public policy and mm-hmm. po- politics, you know, there, there's a narrative, right, that, that all colleges are just a bunch of liberal freaks. Um, do you find that, it, that it's a safe place for all perspectives, um, both as students and professors? Yeah, I, and I, I think there's, um, there are some students that would disagree with me, but, um, you know, I think it is for the most part. I, I think it's what you make of it. Yeah. People need to be respectful. Um, I, and I mean, I'm a conservative and I, um, what the school has done is, is, um, you know, people don't try to change your beliefs. Uh, people tried and actively, um, I think you're not doing it right if you're not actively seeking to understand the full scope of issues yeah. and the full perspectives of people that are different from you. Yeah. And so my experience here has been um, among, just like in all of my life, uh, among a diverse group of people from all walks of life. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's fr- from parts, regions of the country, parts of the world, race, gender, um, anything you can think of, we have people here that are, are um, sharing their stories, yep. and it changes your perspective. That's good. Did you, you know, you came to Rollins, and you sort of told us that. Um, did you intend or expect to be so involved extracurricularly? No. You know? <laughs> so, no not, not at all. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I, I, you kind of mentioned that your first year mm-hmm. you, you intended to transfer. Um, but, you know, at, at what point, I guess, then did you realize there's so much more to, to Rollins' experience out of the classroom uh, than, than a, as much as there is in the classroom. You know, I, I ran for SGA senator uh, as a freshman, <coughs> class freshman, and that's the one that's elected by your peers. So all the freshmen vote, and it's um, and I, I lost the election. Hmm. And then I, I ran for a class center position. Uh, to represent the office I was working for, uh, Center for Career Life Planning. I'm still working for them too. Yeah, nice. Um, and there was a, there were eight different people, and they went. They wanted to give the least qualified person a chance, and so I lost that one too. Um, and they created had to create more. I joked that they created more positions just so I could join, <laughs> um, which is partly true. <laughs> And ran for one of the newly created positions. Yep. Worked for the great office of institutional advancement, um, and finally won a seat. But I want I ran because I knew that this was different from high school. Uh, I didn't I didn't do anything like that in high school because you don't have a chance to actually make a difference. You plan one or two fun events. You plan a prom, hmm. and I've done event planning for for much 
more more important things. And I knew that here at Rollins, uh, one voice could really change change things yeah. and make a difference. And so I wanted to be that voice um, so that I could do my job and represent people. And I attended a, a meeting of uh, like fellow low-income students. And um, I was a part of that group, but I mostly wanted to, to hear, like, what are their experiences like? And are they very similar to mine, or how are they different? Right. And uh, from that, I learned a lot about uh, our issues with tuition and with the budget here at the college. Every college has this. Yeah. Um, but here at Rollins, it's very specific to our situation. And right, I was elected right after that and got to work on um, understanding the issue better, talking to administration people and people in the finance department, getting a full scope of the issue, not just from the student perspective. Right. And I realized we have a serious communication issue, or we had um, at the time. Yeah. And students felt like they were so disconnected and weren't heard by the college president and his administration. And, um, and in some ways, there was that disconnect, but there was also this feeling that was untrue, which is that it's one versus the other. Right. And so March 2020, literally a day before we closed the college. I remember. Uh, I organized a, a town hall. Yeah. And we talked about those issues. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think that's the first time I sort of knew Daniel Elliott and met mm-hmm. this student who was, um, uh, cre- you know, created this forum. Um, so that you sort of talked about the why you did it, which makes good sense. How has it gone since then? I think that day, and I didn't know it at the time, and I only realized it recently because people have, have told me, is uh, – that was a turning point for the school. Yeah. And it started out as me wanting to meet with other freshmen. I wanted to organize a freshman town hall uh, to hear, to get like, you know, hear from constituents, yeah. answer to them and hear what their concerns are and learn what I can do better. Uh, and it ended up being massive town hall. President Cornwall was there, most of his cabinet. And it was the new Galloway room at the time, standing room only. Yep. And I had to figure out how to moderate the room so that every single person that had a question could ask one. Right. Um, and they did. And it was a tough room because there were plenty really of students who were deeply passionate. Yes. Um, to the point of frustrated, maybe even a little scared. Uh, forget COVID, just scared of life in front of them with big mm-hmm. tuition, you know, with big student loans. And so what that did was it created for the first time, I think, um, a chance for there to be a partnership between our two groups, yeah. students and administration. Um, when you have people, the true decision makers, um, finally meeting with students and hearing their concerns, they don't have to always agree. Right. But the fact that they can answer directly to the students makes the students feel a lot better. Yeah. And it does, it truly does um, move us towards a really positive direction. So here we are two years later. Mm-hmm. Tuition hasn't gone down. No. Um, how do you feel? How do the students feel at least about understanding the scope of the, the financial situation of, a, of Rollins College? You know, I, students need to remain involved and more importantly, educated. 
um, President Cornwell and I have talked about this quite a lot. And, uh, you know, next year when I leave, or yeah, next year, two years from now, I guess, when mm-hmm. I leave, um, we have to make sure that we have students that are educated on these issues. Yeah. We don't want to go back to a college where students sit back and they don't know what's going on and they don't care. Right. Uh, because there's other students who don't have a voice who do care and are impacted by every decision that's made. Yeah. So this year we have been working really hard to lay the framework for a sustainable model um, that improves dialogue between the students in the school and continues doing that. Um, but more importantly, actually achieving representation for stakeholders, especially students. So um, we have been meeting with the finance department and one, one small uh, achievement that we've, that we've gotten is um, the school didn't know that the students didn't know that tuition increased when they enrolled. This mm. was something that was a given to them. Right. But for students, this was a newsflash. Mm. And so we, um, as a result of that, we now have historical tuition rates listed on the financial aid award letters. Right. Which I think is more honest for our students. Our enrollment numbers have only gone up. For sure. And uh, we have been working over the last two years on refined proposals for a tuition freeze. And f- for those that don't know, a tuition freeze is not we stop it forever right or at least for a period of time um our proposal is for is based on the principle that i think students have a right to know what they're paying for um before they enroll and the rate at the, which you enter should be the same when you graduate right so we had to come up with a plan and the proposal that uh, not only address the entrance of the uh, interests of the students and their financial needs, but also the school. Yeah. We are a large, not large, but a, a relatively large financial institution. And there are a lot of needs beyond the student ones that need to be met. And, uh, so we sat down and put together a proposal and we had a consultant review it and address. We had, there were concerns that were made, Uh, based on the assumptions that were made about our proposal. And so I went back, addressed them, created a phased plan that addressed concerns over uh, the longevity and uh, class inequities and things like that. Um, And we sat down, presented it, and the feedback was, wow, I can't think of a really any issue with this. Let's talk about this more. Yeah. That's impressive. I can tell you that as a member of President Cornwell's cabinet, it's something that we talk about often mm-hmm. is as we're talking about the budget is full transparency. Um, I certainly don't think there was an issue of trying to not be transparent, but but to, to be overtly transparent, right. there is a difference. And, and I know that that's mm-hmm. I think that, that, that that's happening on a regular basis. And it certainly is top of mind for the president, for Ed Kenya, our CFO and, and, and others on the cabinet. So. That's great. That's good. Tell, tell, t- so, that, you know, kind of lines with my next question is talk about your, your experiences as SGA president. You know, maybe start with what's the fun and the good, you know, about being SGA president? The best thing, um, the good, <laughs> the best thing uh, to, that you experience when you're in this position is when you do stick to your promises and I've 
that's what guides me every day is knowing that I made a promise to students and that I'm the representative yep. and I have a responsibility to, to represent them. And so when you work really hard, you, you see the results of those actions and you see lives changing and you see campus changing. Yep. And I didn't, I, I'm just one person. And I have a team around me, but this started back when I was just one one voice, one voice and one vote. And I tell people all the time, get involved in SGA, uh, because I mean, it's you have you literally do have power, you as a person, yeah, if you use it correctly. That's right. And so that's the good. And then you know where the next one is. Yeah. Then. So challenging and hard and frustrating parts of it. It's it's tough because there's so much that's not in your control. Yeah, it's easy as as um, to go back two years ago and be one person again and represent yourself and represent a small group of people and have that one voice. Yeah. Because there's leadership, but there's not as much responsibility. Um, when you have when you're in this position, there are things that aren't in your control. So no. the good is you can see directly the impact that you're making. Yeah. The second part is sometimes there are things that you can't control no matter how hard you work. Yeah. And we've seen this with COVID this year when we have people not, gosh, it's a campus-wide problem that we have right now, Sam, is um, students are burnt out. Faculty, are they're burnt out. They are so focused on, on doing, on just managing yeah that they don't have time for the extra stuff the really important work like sga or even being involved in student organizations i think that they student organizations make some really impactful work and uh, we've done our best to involve them in sga more this year but when people are um they're they're tired and they're exhausted it's hard to be able to do the work that we've been that we were able to do two years ago. Yeah, because there's the passion isn't there. Yeah, and the second thing is when you get a student body like that, you get behavioral problems, and we had to deal with this. You know, I had I had to sit back and was attacked for no reason. Yeah, just for sticking up for people, and we had I had to make some really critical decisions about. Um, holding people accountable. And I'm learning this in my peace and conflict classes too, by the way. So <laughs> right. thank you, Dr. Chung. Um, <laughs> the best. You, you know, being diplomatic and maintaining peace versus achieving justice and holding people accountable. Right. And there are two often conflicting, um, conflicting viewpoints and you have yeah. to find a middle ground. And uh, I stood up for what I believed in and what I believed was right. And I, I helped make SGA a safer place, but that came in the cost of me, um, people attacking my character. Yeah. And it's it's hard. It is hard. I hate that for you, um, but you sounds like you're doing the right thing, and uh, that's important. Um, and it's sort of a bit of a life lesson, right? Like mm-hmm. that's welcome to the next phase of your life. You're getting it a little earlier. I've always said that that's the Rollins experience is that you get to oh, yeah. have these experiences and opportunities probably before many of your your peers out into the uh in the college space and you get to deal with adults 
in, in a more meaningful mm-hmm. way. And it sounds a little silly to say, because we all deal with adults, but you're dealing with adults in a, in a real substantive, substantial way, not just, you know, uh, re- respecting an, an elder, if you will. Yeah. You're challenging them, you're pushing them, and they're pushing back. And that's, uh, that, that's our future. That's your future. So mm-hmm. um, you'll get through it. Uh, good for you to, 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 to stand up and, and take some of the pain, but um, you'll get through it and you're doing the right thing. Well, it's well worth it in the end. Yeah, yeah, I love that. For I'd sure. like to hear that. Um, you know, why is it such a priority for you uh, to to find all of these other opportunities, particularly outside of the classroom? And, and we'll, we can talk a little bit about, you know, all the work you've done in local politics with a city commission campaign, state politics with a governor's campaign, U.S. politics with a U.S. congresswoman's campaign. Why? Why do you do it? I have always well first of all I've always had a problem taking on too much. <laughs> I I think um I love opportunity. Yeah. And I, I love I don't like leaving doors closed. Um sometimes that is a problem. And it's something that I've really worked on the last few years. But I if I have talents and I have experience, I want to put it to good use on a cause that I believe in. And so I've gotten involved in, in a lot. Um, SGA is one thing, and then there's also uh, political campaigns. I've done work for uh, different organizations doing lobbying for the Alzheimer's Association um, and a few other organizations. And so there's a lot of good work that, you know, I, I, skills I've honed over being, while being a student yeah. uh, and having experience. And so I've always liked to put it to good use when the opportunity is there. Yeah. When did you know, you mentioned earlier that Mm -hmm. you're a conservative and um, you've worked for DeSantis and Rubio and and Representative Fox. Like, when did you know that you were a conservative, right? Like, is that just passed down from mom or other family or did you sort of just evolve and uh, became a political junkie and said, "I, I just believe in this, you know, these principles over the other? Yeah, you know, my family's a little crazy, like all of ours. <laughs> Aren't they all? <laughs> yeah. Um, and my mom, you know, my mom has always been pretty mainstream Republican. My dad is a fierce independent. And he's one of those voters that voted for Obama twice and then voted for Trump. <laughs> right. Um, at least last year. I I always felt that, that um, I really didn't know. You know, I I made a joke in my uh, one of my recent cover letters that I began canvassing for Republicans at age seven when I wore a McCain outfit at Halloween. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what it meant to be anything, yeah. conservative, Republican, Democrat, liberal, anything. Right. Um, and so I realized during the presidential election of 2016 that I wanted to f- to find out what I what, what I wanted to learn more about these issues that they they keep debating. Um, if it's so important that we have to that people are are losing family members over, I need to learn more about them. And so I listened to the Democratic debates, and I was like, well, I don't necessarily agree with these people. Uh, and I listened to the Republican ones, and I was like, there's a few people that really uh, really stand out. One of those people was was Senator Rubio. And I think he's been a huge inspiration for me 
um, many of my beliefs uh, have been as a result of really listening to his opinions and listening to his his him speak on on these topics because um, when you have someone especially in today's political arena yeah that is um, educated on the issues and is respectful and takes a holistic view and it's not just um, one tribe versus the other uh, I think we need more of that yeah. we need more optimism and we need to turn to our our, our young people right because they're the future right now those young people are turning to, I think, what's really easy right now to turn to, which is um, far right versus far left. Right. I think if you're in the extremes right now, you're not doing it right. Yeah. You, um, people are listening to, I think they're falling into what, when I say the media, I mean all of the media. Yeah. Uh, left, right, center. Yeah. Um, there's intentional or not work dividing this country. And people, young people are falling right into that trap. Well, you mentioned uh, young people and optimistic. Um, and um, the, your most recent sort of p- political service and public service endeavor was helping a fellow Rollins <laughs> alum, Elijah yeah. Noel, run for Winter Park City Commission. Uh, I mean, in essence, you served as his campaign manager, maybe co-campaign manager, mm-hmm. but you were deeply involved. I know you spent a ton of time helping a guy who's two years out of Rollins um, mm-hmm. decide that he wanted to run for city commission Winter Park. How how was that experience, you know, on this very local Winter Park level? Campaigns are fun um, for, I think, everyone gets so wrapped up in the national politics and state politics too, but especially, you know, we listen to, we watch cable news and we watch what's going on in Congress and the White House and whatnot. Um, the most impactful decision or the most, um, yeah, the most impactful decisions that are made are made at city hall, Mm -hmm. which is right across the street from us. Right. And I had the chance to help, um, Elijah. Actually, he was another fun Rollins connection is he was the very first friend I made here. Really? Three years ago. Fantastic. Uh, because we were both doing job training for CL, uh, the Center for Career and Life Planning. Yeah. Because we were, I was a new, as a freshman, a career ambassador, and we were both from the same hometown. Fantastic. So he approached me and wanted to get me involved, and I was like, Ah, oh, God, I'm so busy. It's like, well, help me find, help me find someone to help do scheduling. And I talked to a few people, gave him a few names, and like it wasn't sitting well with me that I was. Pushing myself away from, <laughs> um, some from some of the action. He is a great and amazing person. Yeah, uh, someone that the city needs, and um, I couldn't. I, I said, let me help. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was a great experience for both of you. He obviously didn't win, but uh, I, I've, I've shared with the people he went. He won by running, mm-hmm. and I think Winter Park's better for it. And um, I, I wouldn't bet against him coming back uh, someday, but. Um, I, I won't ask for any breaking news announcement <laughs> from, from well, you right now. Sam, I'll say this. Um, it is really, really, I think the most challenging thing um, during the campaign was listening to people um, from, you know, political right and political left when they vote in elections a certain way. Um, a lot of them say things like, we need, we need young people involved in politics. We need to get them involved. People need to run. Um, and then 
those same people completely trashing him for his age. Right. One of the most qualified 25-year-olds this country has ever seen. Um, run for office. And then you have people that support affordable housing and support um, support young people having the ability to live in your community even if they aren't wealthy. Right. And then turning around and saying, oh, he shouldn't, he rents. He doesn't own five hundred or you know five million dollar property in Winter <laughs> right, Park. Right. He doesn't have the right to run and represent yeah. us. Yeah, um, affordable housing not in my neighborhood. Right, and so we have a huge issue with how thing how we perceive these issues. Um, people need to fully understand and have compassion too about these issues that they they vote in elections on at the state and and national level. How are those actions that you're advocating for impacting you yeah and how could you be more compassionate towards your neighbors well the challenge for you two at least in local winter park politics is is engaging the under 40 crowd right you know there's there's so many voters uh who just don't vote uh so many residents who just don't vote and so that um i would challenge you uh both to uh to to help solve that problem and and some of those things might change so real quickly, a mm-hmm. couple last things. Talk about your experience with career and life planning, um, both as sort of a student worker, uh, but also are you taking advantage of that? Do you use them as a customer? And, and how's that experience for you? This is one of the most important offices on our campus. I know our, our uh, Rollins mission is part of it is uh, you know to produce meaningful lives and productive careers. And... This is the office, well, one of many, that fulf- that aims to fulfill that, yeah. to help our students. Directly, yeah. And students, uh, we've done a lot of work over the last few years getting students to actually come into the career studio, but n- l- use Handshake, which is our, our career services platform, um, use our resources. And I came in as a freshman because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm very career-oriented, and I know a lot about interviews and, and whatnot. And so I want to help. And then they ended up hiring me. <laughs> yeah. And it's been a, an amazing journey ever since. And that was the, the start of everything. That's awesome. When I came as a freshman, I didn't know I would be this involved. And it's ex- explicitly because I was hired as a career ambassador. Um, and I have used some of the resources. You have to. Yeah. I think... They are they're readily available and easy to access. Um, last summer, I was able to intern in Washington D.C. for a congress for a congresswoman from North Carolina, uh, Virginia Fox, and she. It was an amazing experience, that, it was truly once in a lifetime, and I wouldn't have been able to, do that if I didn't receive funding from the school for the Gateway Fellowship. Yeah, and that is another resource that. I tell people, if you have an internship, pursue it, even yeah. if you don't think you're able to afford it, because there are resources here. Um, there's good people in our office that are finding ways, as many ways as possible, to get you to uh, pursue your dreams. Yeah. We, we've been sort of hyper-local. What, what do you see as the role of Rollins and sort of the presence of Rollins within the greater Central Florida region? You know, Rollins should serve, and its students, I think, should serve as role models. Um, There are 
so many different issues that we're facing right now that um, our governments, all types, all levels of government are not addressing. You know, we have <laughs> right now, I think Winter Park High School, um, I forget the numbers, but we have, and it doesn't feel like it because it's Winter Park, right? but we have students, several, like so many students that are um, below the achievement, there are achievement gaps and they're below the poverty line and, and um, that shouldn't be happening. So we have communities that need help and aren't receiving it. Yeah. And um, I think for our peer institutions and for the rest of the liberal arts community, I think we, we have a responsibility and a chance to be innovative, to come up with different ways to have a college experience. Um, that's just kind of how I've approached tuition. Um, I think we have the chance to start something new that's going to truly help people. Um, cause I think that if you're, we should always be looking out for the most vulnerable, whether that's, um, you know, students that really non-traditional students or students that can't afford to be here. I'm one of them. I've had, it's been a, it, it's, I know that it's a fight every day to be able to sit here in front of you and to be able to sit in my classes. Right. Uh, it's just really tough. And so making sure that those students have a chance is important or else we're never, our country is never going to get back on track. And the American dream is only going to be that a dream. Yeah. What, I asked this question to Rollins guests. And so if you were president of the college, right, uh, not student government, but what's, what would President Daniel Elliott of Rollins College do? You know, what's your, your one day as president? What do you do to make Rollins different, better than it is today? I think I know what the students w- would want me to do. Um, make every day a Fox day. But <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's been a common answer amongst Rollins colleagues. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think I would sit down and I would bring the whole community together uh, for a day uh, and really have re- tough, dis- cuff, tough conversations about everything. How are students feeling? What, are, what needs change? Um, and truly listen to them. Uh, I would listen to our leaders in student government. I would listen to um, our students from communities that feel like they don't have a voice. And whether that's tuition, whether that's the budget, I also I would I would do my best to be as transparent as possible with things. Yeah. But I think, and we're we're making strides towards achieving this. Compl- um, on a, a really holistic way, but making sure that every stakeholder of our school has representation and an actual part in our processes, especially students. I mean, we're a college. Our biggest and most important stakeholder um, is our students. Yeah. They, are, they should be number one. And so when decisions are made by the college president and the people around him, um, we should always bring them in and ask them first. 
And I think that that helps repair that relationship that is, has been damaged for quite a long time. Um, students should be asked things before decisions that impact them are made. Um, or else people are upset. People are angry. That's not good. Yep. I'm having flashbacks to 1990 and 1991 hearing you talk. So, um, uh, to some degree, I, you know, I get it. It's a, it's, it's a real issue and, um, it's a probably to some degree, it's a perpetual issue, but, Mm -hmm. um, I, I do genuinely hope and think that it is changing. It has changed in your experience and, Mm -hmm. and thanks to you, it will, it will continue to change. So that, that's impressive and keep, keep up your advocacy. So last question, what's next for you, right? You got once you got your senior year coming up, um, what do, you, what do you see as the next uh, and kind of on your wish list for, uh, for for your career after you graduate from Rollins? You know, I thought I had everything figured out. <laughs> and oftentimes, as you know, in life, it doesn't work out that way. Yes. And um, I'm really I'm really trying to figure it out. Good. You know, um, I guess the plan now is grad school and then – Ideally, my dream is to commission into the Air Force. And um, my goal in life is to serve people. And what better way to to use your your talents and education experience than to serve your country? That's Um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. go go ahead. Did you have more to that? But there's other options. And so I'm exploring all types of different areas to, to start my career. And I don't like closing doors, like I said. Um, I always like to, to leave them open yeah, because uh, things go wrong. Uh, the unexpected always happens. Yeah. And sometimes that's good. Mm-hmm. This is from a guy. I think I, I counted, I think I've had nine jobs in yeah. my career and you know, my, my dad had one job and sometimes I think he thinks I'm a nut for, <laughs> you know, taking a job three years later or five years later, yeah. but that's life. It's experiences. Well, you can't take anything for granted either. Right. I had two election losses in the same week. Right. And it's tough, but you have to you have to be resilient. And have some perspective, right? Like exactly. to some degree this will be the least of your problems twenty years from today. <laughs> That's so for sure. um that is for sure. Listen, what I know about you, Daniel, is you will succeed, you will thrive, you will make your community and your country a better place. And um, it's just a privilege to get to chat with you a little bit here in detail and to have you as a Rollins uh, brother of SGA presidentships <laughs> and um, and a fellow alum, you know, in, in the near future. So thanks for all you do for Rollins and uh, just all the best in your uh, in your success. Thanks for having me on the show, Sam. Thanks to Angel, our awesome Rollins student, who's our marketing coordinator and board operator. And to keep updated on all of our shows and guests, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, on Apple, Google, and Spotify. With that, thanks to Daniel and Angel, and uh, we wish you all a great day.